Well, you missed some big changes at Moe's. He hangs newspapers over the urinals now. You can read the sports page while you pee. Very la-dee-da. I've made some big changes, too. Can you believe I'm flying this helicopter? Power lines! Power lines! Whoops, sorry. <laughs> when I think about all the time I wasted at Moe's... Wasted? What about our steering contest? And the way we always knew what football coaches should have done. Remember the day we jumped that census guy and stole his clicker? Those are all priceless memories, Homer, but I don't want to do that stuff anymore. Oh, so you're better than me, is that it? I didn't say that. Take me home. Oh, don't be that way, Homer. I'll scream. Okay, okay. So how was your ride with Barney? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode BABF14. It is Days of Wine and Dozers. I am Dando. I am Guy. A pleasure to be here. I've uh, poured myself a glass to uh, to accompany uh, this episode. No. Uh, when I say a glass, I mean a glass of uh, milk, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Your drink of choice, is it not? Yeah, uh, yes, indeed, yes. A, a nice, uh, a nice tall white one goes down very well on occasion. What's uh, funny is I, I actually envisioned you having a nice warm cup of milk before bed. Just uh, tuck it into your blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I ever did that even when I was a kid. I don't think uh, the whole warm milk thing ever... Mum probably tried it once or twice. Actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm having now just a... An automatic vivid flashback of a saucepan, a little thing of milk in it, and some like uh, that layer of sort of uh, cream or whatever sort of forming on the top when you heat things up. Yeah, mm. like tomato soup when it goes cold. <laughs> I, I don't know what I sort of do to knock myself out before bedtime now. I don't know. Probably, probably. I, I just stay, I just stay up <laughs> to the point editing podcasts where I can't stay awake anymore. Think go to bed. <laughs> I, it's mine is a probably a combination of whiskey and weed. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't don't try that at home, kids. <laughs> Forget the whiskey. <laughs> uh, days of wine and doses. This was much better than last week. I'll give it that. It's actually a very interesting episode in the sense that it's quite a, a um, like a monumental shift in in the character of Barney. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge change that I don't really think. Because I know that they pussied it out with it like three seasons later. They went back to him being drunk Barney. But the <laughs> thing is, I like that they tried something new. But the thing is, the Barney character just didn't seem to work being sober. There was not much humor in the character anymore. No, I don't think he has a lot of personality beyond being blitzed. And, you know, I mean, I'm trying to recall sort of previous episodes that have focused on Barney or focused on, you know, Barney when he's pissed. And. I don't know, normally he's just kind of an amiable drunk. Um, you don't really sort of see the consequences or him sort of getting too far off the rails, but, you know, we've got the uh, the video footage of him, you know, dressing in drag and you know, ra- clearly raiding Marge's wardrobe, uh, being a very convincing Marge, in Homer's eyes at least. And, um, <laughs> yeah, just sort of generally making a mess of things and requiring, uh, as... as um, as Carl points out, morning after stationary, which I think we could all use every once in a while. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, yeah, look, 
I didn't mind this episode. I mean, I, it wasn't exactly a laugh a minute or even every two minutes. But, you know, it had a few sort of good side gags in there, a few good one-liners, some good character bits. But, uh, um, yeah, but as far as, uh, you know, a major sort of transitional thing goes, I mean, as you say, the transition of Barney sobering up only lasted about three years or so or three seasons. Uh, you know, it's not really sort of monumental as... Um, say, the death of, uh, of Maud Flanders and how that affects um, Ned. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, props to the uh, to the Simpsons guys for realising at this stage of the proceedings we're going to have to shake things up a bit and, you know, doing it in some fairly radical ways. Apparently a lot of the staff were dead against it, including Matt Groening. They just thought, no, it's going to ruin the character. And to an extent, I would say it ruined the character, but they were right. But as you were just saying, like 11 seasons in, you've got to do something. And I don't know if there's any way to sort of play. I don't think you could make Barney like a moderate drinker after it's clear after it's been established that you know he's the town drunk. I mean, I don't think it's the kind. I'm not for messaging in in shows, but uh, having said that, I mean, I don't think it's a, a positive message to send like oh, I drink too much and now I'm not going to drink as much. I mean, actually, that's a pr- that's a pretty good message in life, but I think in in shows. I think you usually have to go one way or the other. It's like, I drink too much and now I'm not going to drink at all. That's my, my very piss poor Barney, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that wasn't me. Sound like Bane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink anymore. Neither do you. <laughs> the, the, the reason this didn't seem to work, and I think, is because besides the fact that you know he saves a day at the end because he's essentially forced into it, no one's actually, none of the other characters are actually very supportive of Barney in this massive life change. So they, they never really emphasize to the viewer that it's a good thing that he's doing. So you're sort of, you're watching it and in the back of your mind, you're sort of thinking, no, go back to being the old Barney because every other character on the show is saying, no, we like you the way you are. What are you changing for? Well, I mean, I must admit that first day, well, the first time that you see him when he's decided to sober up and he's up in his shitty apartment and he's, you know, knocking all his old bottles into the bin, he's taking down the congratulatory sign from Duff and he looks himself in the mirror and there's just a, a little second and it's good work from the animators on this that he sort of gives himself a little bit of a smile like he's bucking himself up like because I mean I think all of us have probably had a, a moment or a turning point or a day we decide I'm going to change something about myself for the better hopefully you know and um, you sort of look at yourself and realise oh you know this could be the first day of the rest of my life or whatever um, and I, yep. you know I was I was kind of pulling for him there. I mean, I, I like Barney. He's, he, he seems like a nice guy. I mean, he doesn't uh, he doesn't seem like he means harm to anyone. He just he likes booze. And, and but that's that's also a problem too, though, in the sense that we don't know much about him. But now that we, I guess we don't really learn more about him in this episode. But he's just one of those characters where, and I said this when we epi- uh, Mitch and I reviewed the episode from season three where Otto moves in with the Simpsons, and it's a similar thing with comic book guys. Well, it's one of those characters where. He can overstay his welcome very quickly. Oh, yeah. And I think through this episode, it really emphasizes, oh, uh, yeah, Barney should be, you know, a, a one-liner kind of guy, burp occasionally and just get on with it because it's, it's, it's just, there's not enough substance to him. Yeah, there are certain characters who are more plot devices or plot drivers than anything else. I mean, they've got one trait and that's it. And occasionally you can sort of, you can plug that trait into a storyline or even just a couple of gags and it's like, Oh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, like in the film festival, for instance, where, you know, Barney sort of uses alcoholism to tell this, you know, beautiful lyrical story about a life that's sort of going nowhere. Um, 
Yeah, that's really good. But I mean, I don't. I think if that whole episode was about, you know, Barney's actually a secret artist and he's, you know, a filmmaker and all that kind of stuff, I think I don't think that would would work. And I mean, even this episode, where you don't really learn much about the inner Barney. He's not sort of talking about himself all that much, like his dreams or his hopes or you know what made him a drinker, for instance. But it's all how the other characters view him, particularly you know just the crew at Moe's. They're all like well, you're the rummy and you're the one who makes us feel better about ourselves and, you know, dance for us, you know, you, you drunken clown or, oh, I'm a tanked up loser. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> it's pretty harsh, uh, but it's also, yeah, it's viewing Barney through other characters' eyes, not Barney explaining himself to us. Well, see, they, these characters in The Simpsons, they make us laugh by being the worst version of ourselves. So now that yeah. Barney's no longer the worst version of ourself, it's kind of like, Oh, now he's making me feel bad because yeah. I'm not making a change in my life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, the Barton Lisa side story, once again, they've got something simple. It worked. The only problem is that, that you watch it now and it kind of feels outdated. But that, you know, they have to go find a, a camera in the closet yeah. and using an old school camera of light bulbs. And, but they, they, did, uh, they did blend the two stories well, I feel, with, the, um, with Barney. You know, now that he's sober, getting helicopter lessons, he eventually is the one that has to save Barton Lisa from the fire. So I do like it when they can have two stories that, uh, mesh together uh, organically like that. True, true. I mean, I must admit, you know, when you first sort of hear about, hey, I got your helicopter lessons, like, well, this is so sort of out of left field that it's going to pay off in some way. <laughs> Have you ever yeah, heard yeah, the, yeah. You ever heard the, oh, I don't, I've forgotten who it is. I think, look, sorry to get all sort of artsy and fartsy here, but I mean, there's um, a Russian playwright, Chekhov, and he, um, not the guy from Star Trek, he, um, <laughs> but there was some kind of philosophy or principle of playwriting where he said, I don't know if he said this or maybe people said it about his plays, but like if someone brings out a gun in the first act, that gun is going off in the third act. Someone's going to get shot. So and it's like you introduce a helicopter or something that's sort of incongruous, you know, in the first five or ten minutes of this episode, you're going to be seeing that uh, that, that helicopter is going to play a large part in the final five or ten minutes of the uh, of this episode. 100%, yeah. yeah. It's, it's quite often with the, with the, the brain-dead television that Nicola watches, <laughs> like oh. things will happen at the very five, first five, ten minutes of the episode, and I'm like, that guy's going to play a role until the end. Or, you know, <laughs> you know th- th- this little plot device has been placed, and Nicola's like, shut up, you ruined yeah. it for me. It's like, it's when like-, you watch Lord, like when you watch Law and Order SVU, and all of a sudden there's a guest appearance by some celebrity, and you're like, well, that person's the killer. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, yeah, Law and Order is the perfect example of that. It's like, yeah, is this no-name but sleazy-looking person the culprit? No, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, the guy who was the lead on... Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the one actor you do recognise. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my favorite. What was your favorite moment? I'm always partial. I'm always partial to a bit of Gil when Gil shows up. You know, he's mm-hmm. just as um, just as Barney. You know, makes Carl and Lenny and, and Homer and Mo feel better about their lives. Gil makes me feel feel better about my life. He's trying to shill Amway there. Shill Amway at an AA meeting. I think that I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Those kind of things don't seem to exist anymore. When when I was younger, it was always what's that stuff? It was like plastic containers, Tupperware. You used to have oh, t- yeah. everyone, like, all my my mum and all their friends. They always had Tupperware parties. You don't hear of these things anymore. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I don't think direct selling is the thing that it used to be. I mean, look. True confessions time. I may have copped to this on the on the podcast in the past, but I mean, back in my early twenties, I I 
you know, got I got roped into the Amway lifestyle for a little bit because, you know, I was, you know, a very persuasive friend who I'd you often say when I was drunk, so that may have something to do with it, said, hey, i got this pretty good business opportunity. You want to come check it out? And I had a few beers and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't the same night. It was like a couple of nights on. I mean, I wasn't rocking up to an Amway being to go, yeah, what's going on here? But, um, <laughs> but I went along and I was clearly very shocked because I'd never even heard of Amway prior to this uh, thing happening. And, you know, they're laying it all out and I'm like, I think I was thinking the thing that every person who thinks they're too smart for the room had in mind. It's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get on board with this. I'll make a bit of quick money, you know, and, you know, get people work from me. Then I'll get out and I can do whatever I want with the rest of my life. And <laughs> <laughs> then, of course, after about three months, I go, oh, God, this is a sham. Get out. Get myself out of here. Um, I, feel, I, I feel like we need to get a podcast, Guy Davis, the Amway era. <laughs> I feel like some stories. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I think I'm probably still apologising to, you know, the friends and loved ones who I was like, yeah, your, your benches are looking a bit dirty. Maybe you need this new cleaning product. Oh, God, what an, what an asshole. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, my, my, um, my ex-wife was involved with uh, Enyo for a while, you know, the Swedish cleaning products. Yep. Honestly, that shit was legit. I mean, I've, I've, I've still got it and use it. My mum, you know, bought some and, and still uses it to this day. So that's bonus. So, that, so, that, so now you're still shilling it on the podcast, right? Like you're still, you're still part of the program? I, I am indeed. Hey, guys, if any of the patrons want to get in touch via direct message, you... You're just suddenly sneaking into the podcast. I knew I'd get them. <laughs> I'm playing the really long game here, 30 years down the track. <laughs> uh, but no, I was very happy when Gil showed up. And also, look, not a regular, but sort of a regular voice. But when um, when Barney shows up and goes, I'm Barney and I need help from AA. Well, that's good to hear, buddy. But this right here is a triple A. I mean, <laughs> I think that's Hank, I'm guessing, who, who's doing that one. Or, the wise guy. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 But I mean, um, that that voice has been used for various characters. But I was, you, want, you want double A. You want AA. This is a triple A. <laughs> good, good on you, Pally. <laughs> that guy always makes my, me happy. What did you like? My favorite. My favourite wise guy quote is that a fat, sarcastic Star Trek fan, you must be a devil with the ladies. <laughs> um, my favourite, I did love when Barney was trying to explain his planet theory to Lisa and she's like, Mr. Gumble, you're upsetting me. Oh, no, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, Barney's sort of separatist worldview was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, it, he's probably on just, Reddit right now sort of, you know, talking about white nationalism or something along those lines. And pe- people are sharing it on Facebook as if it's the gospel truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My other favourite moment, I did love the subtle jab at Ruffles. So, they never actually oh. say the name, but Homer's like, what are those potato chips that always give you diarrhoea? <laughs> and then and then as Apu says, you didn't pay for that alcohol, it cuts to him holding ba- uh, you know, an armful of Ruffles. Ruffles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still make Ruffles? I'm, I'm sure they still make them. I don't know whether we sell them in Australia anymore. Do we still sell, sell Sandboys? We still sell Sandboys, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Sandboys barbecue were my fucking jam when I was younger. Loved it. I was partial to a good ruffle on occasion, but I think they've been, they've, they may have gone, the, you know, been sidelined in favour of like, you know, kettle chips and, um, yeah. you know, high-end Red Rock deli chips. Honestly, my chip of choice. Um, I know what the Simpsons. I don't want the Simpsons have against Ruffles. Like yeah, but, Deep Space Homer. Careful, they're Ruffles. Careful, they're Ruffles. <laughs> that's exactly what I. That's immediately what I think of whenever you know the term Ruffles. Careful, they're Ruffled. 
Uh, the best part about that is the fact that they got Buzz Aldrin to say that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week. All righty. You kick off, Mr. Davis. I shall indeed. Okay, then. Uh, da, 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 da. What is Trash Night called in Germany? Oh, don't know. What was it? It is called Krappenfest. That was a strange way to start the episode. <laughs> anyway, it was. We'll get to that. Everybody was dumpster diving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was the theme of Millhouse's blankie? Oh, think nineteen nineties or no, uh, mid to late eighties, early nineties girl popular toy line. Hmm. Well, that's yeah, clearly in my wheelhouse, Dana. Um. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I can think of is Barbie, and that's that, and that's probably that's not it. My Little Pony. Oh, My Little Pony. Hey, man, My Little Pony, you know, transcends gender. Haven't you heard of the bronies? Oh, it, it does now. I know that, yes. <laughs> I, I, know, I, I just know when I was a child, it was girls have My Little Ponies, boys have Power Rangers. Now Indeed. it's whatever. <laughs> Mil- Millhouse is way ahead of the curve. Millhouse yeah, was a sure brony is. before bronies were cool. <laughs> yeah. Homer tells the uh, AAA guy he's planning on taking a road trip. To where? Oh, it's Saint somewhere, right? It is indeed so Saint it's, it's the, the Saint, Saint Louis. That is correct, but all, uh, there's a specific part of Saint Louis as well. Yeah, I know. It's the, it's the good one. I don't, what is it? No, it's not West, but East Saint Louis. East. Yes. Is there any other town? There's something along those lines. <laughs> uh, what was the comic that comic book guy was throwing out at night? It was She-Hulk versus Leon Spinks, the worst mm. crossover ever. Do you know who Leon Spinks is? Ah, uh, yeah, he was a he was a heavyweight boxer, I believe. Okay. Yes, Jackass star Johnny Knoxville has a tattoo of him on his arm. Do you want to know how Does I know that? Really? Yeah. I, you saw it? I did, yeah. I interviewed Knoxville back in the day for either a Jackass movie or maybe the Dukes of Hazard. Um, and, you know, he had a T-shirt on and I could see that he had Leon Spinks on his arm. And I said, what's, uh, what's the, uh, you know, symbolism behind that? He goes, sometimes you just get drunk and you think you should tattoo Leon Spinks on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> Knoxville was a cool guy. <laughs> he, he, um, he, Johnny Knoxville seems like a charming guy, really. He was he was very good natured, and admittedly, it was about eleven o'clock in the morning, and uh, he invited us all to you know raid the mini bar. And did you? I think we shared a beer. I was like, yeah, Johnny, you want to drink? Yeah, I'll start drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Knoxville, um, nice nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I still you haven't got any of those old interviews for me. I'm looking forward to hearing them. I actually found um, I was sort of I was going through my uh, desktop the other day, my desktop uh, computer, and um, finding some old files. And there was like, oh, sound files. What are these? And I did find some old interviews that I did, but a lot of them were, you know, um, over a landline and sort of with a little suction cup connected to the uh, to the headset and then plugged into mm-hmm. a tape recorder <laughs> so that worked yeah. or, or plugged into a digital recorder and then turned into digital files so the sound quality is not great but i mean who was on there i think there was um aaron paul from breaking bad wow um taylor kitsch from mm-hmm. friday night lights and john carter and a few other things um Timothy Oliphant from Justified. Uh, but, the, yeah, the sound quality of them is not that good, unfortunately. That doesn't matter. S- send them my way. I'll see if I can touch them up. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yes. Uh, what, else, right. what other questions you got for me? Is it my question? Now? Oh, oh yeah. You asked me about the Leon Spinks. And I Spinksy. just went off, yes. I went off on a weird tangent. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, which of the Teletubbies said, hurt everyone? 
the purple one, no. Mm. Uh, Shares Gypsy? a name with a um, well-regarded female uh, songwriter and uh, movie star. Um, a real lady. Well, there's tips. There's Tipsy Whipsy Lala Poe, and the one I'm obviously forgetting. What is it? <laughs> well, it it may not even be a real Teletubby. Maybe they couldn't get it. But the name was Gaga. Gaga was is not a real name. Okay. Okay. okay yeah, that, so that's why it's confusing to me. <laughs> clearly, that's an off-brand Teletubby. That's uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was a hilarious moment. Hurt everybody. <laughs> Um, my next question is, uh, what was the theme of the AA meeting? Oh, um, things to do with your hands at parties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so relevant, so useful. They should have that. Very, for, very useful. They should have that for non-drinkers. But you can apply this to anything when you're doing, you're doing interviewing, things to do with your hands during interviews. Because so many interviewers don't know what to do with their hand that's not holding the microphone. Oh, they wave God, it around yeah. or they just hold it by themselves, by their sides. It's, it's funny when you watch an, uh, an up-and-coming interviewer trying to control their other hand because they want to do something with it, but they know they're not supposed to. <laughs> the, uh, the lovely Louise and I were watching a new service the other night and... Oh God! They had some. Uh, they had some reporter on who was not holding a microphone. I honestly thought he was like doing Australian sign language for the uh, for the hearing impaired. <laughs> His hands were all over the shop. It was a. <laughs> it was quite the display. Um, what is the second Play-Doh log to come out of the Play-Doh factory? Oh, they they say it cre- by cre- name. Crescent Moon. It was indeed Crescent Moon. Mm, finally got one. Yeah. Uh, what magazine was Homer reading in bed? Homer or Marge? Homer, yeah, after his argument with Barney. Oh. I oh was, it, was it Marge reading? I thought it was Bar- a Homer reading. Maybe I wasn't paying much attention. Well, if, it, if it's Marge's, because I thought this would look, I thought this was a nice little gag, meddling today. Oh, yeah, yeah that's Marge's. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, they're always good with the, with the magazine tiles on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Barney at the end has... Um, Renounced beer and is instead enjoying coffee. What is his coffee of choice? It's a mocha latte. It's a double tall mocha latte is what it is. Double so tall yeah, mocha latte. Give yourself half a point there, Dando. Half a y- point, half a point. My final question is, which musician is the pilot fond of besides Elvis? Leo Sayer. Yeah, what a banger that fucking, <laughs> you, might, you feel like dancing is. Do you know Leo Sayer plays at the Sphinx down the road here? Like, you know, every three months? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, he... he he gets down here, okay. Or oh, he used to get out here, certainly. And I mean, um, he doesn't have the big, uh, the big white man's fro that uh, that he used to rock in the seventies and eighties. But uh, no, he's still, yeah, kicking out. Uh, you know, you make me feel like dancing, and his other songs that I'm sure he has. <laughs> <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be. Alrighty, new names for this week, uh, the new name segment, and this podcast is brought to you by our $20 patrons, Mr. Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zur, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Lucasiewicz, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, and Alex Rodriguez. Thank you so much for being $20 patrons. And for those who are looking for an officially licensed stonecutter ring, you're just going to be a $20 patron for three months or more. Once you hit that three-month threshold, I will mail it to you personally. Oh. Patreon.com slash four-finger discount. You too can be a Lord of the Ring. Also, before we get into the uh, the new names, we're just going to give another shout-out or some more shout-outs to our new $5 plus patrons in Graham Reed, Colin Schnakenberg, and Oz K. Thank you so much, guys. Remember, 
To support the show, get a bunch of exclusive content in return. Just go to patreon.com slash four-finger discount where you also get access into the exclusive four-finger discount Facebook group. But, you know, the best way, you know, you don't have to chip in money. If you just want to keep supporting the show by listening, we appreciate that as well. We love the fact that you guys still tune in after five long years. So, thank you so much, guys, for, for listening to the show and supporting us, however you are doing so. Now, Mr. Davis, what new names have we got this week? We have got so many new titles. At last count, we had 99 alternative Holy titles. Christmas. Uh, yes, indeed. Many of, the, many of which were very, very good. I mean, I'll... Last week, I uh, sort of fought, we decided to forego the honourable mentions. Many an honourable mention this time around. Uh, from Alistair Danik, for instance. Uh, this little swiggy went to market. Or uh, Jimmy Farouge's Gumble Beginnings. Um, these, are, these are good. Yeah. Dave Abbott-Smith, another year older, another year Budweiser. Mm, not mm. bad. Not bad. Our man Jordan Moleman Ritchie with Tequila Whirling Bird. You know, we mentioned mm-hmm. Tequila Mockingbird in, in previous episodes, and that's a nice sort of follow on. Jennifer McKay, The Sum of All His Beers. I actually watched The Sum <laughs> of All Fears the other day. And, yeah. So maybe that's why I thought of it. No, Jennifer, it's because it's a really good, you know, new title. Um, <laughs> Talia Enriquez, uh, Only You Can Present Forest Flyers. I quite mm-hmm. like that. Um, Steve Roberts with Silver Bullets Playbook. Ooh, one I like. yeah. Yeah, so Six good. Silver Bullets. Indeed. A lot of good alternative titles this time around. Um, the reason that some of those didn't make the 3 2 one, you know, I mean, say Jordan Moleman Richie's Tequila Whirling Bird, it's just, you know, Barney's a beer man. He's not necessarily a tequila man. The Whirly Bird part is good. The tequila part, eh, it's not quite on message. Likewise, David Smith's another year older than another year Budweiser. Barney drinks Duff. He doesn't drink Budweiser. But anyway. Um, Get with the program, people. Look, uh, so close. Oh, almost there. No, no, no. Look, re- really good wordplay, really imaginative, um, ingenious uh, ingenious new titles. Oh, look, I was a big, big fan. But um, as the uh, as they say in Highlander, there can be only one, except in this case there can be only three, two, one. Um, and with one point, it's uh, Mark Boston Burgess. With Mark Boston Burgess, pretty fly for a drunk guy, mm-hmm. and that would have been very relevant around about this period. Cause I think that song came out about ninety eight, so this, that song still would have been, you know, in the mainstream media. Oh, it's as far as I'm concerned, it remains in the mainstream to this day. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres, cinco, 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 seis. We spoke uh, last week about our entrance themes. I feel like that should, that should be yours. <laughs> Give it to me, baby. As you just walk in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, the the geeky looking dude in the pretty guy, pretty fly mm. for a white guy film clip. The actor's name is Guy. Yes, I actually, yeah, I remember reading an article, like it was like a BuzzFeed thing. You would not believe the name of the pretty fly for a white guy. <laughs> it, it's actually Guy. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> he's, like, he, he's white and his name is Guy. <laughs> Saw that coming. Um, our man, Giroid. How the hell? Gear. Um, he, he, he threw up a few winners this time around. Uh, well, I, not, feel, not- I, feel, I feel like he can't be beaten. I feel like he's just got a, a, a lead that cannot be controlled. He, he can't be he can't be bargained with or reasoned with. He doesn't feel... Pit- he's like the Terminator of new names. Is this, where you, is this where you reveal that he's been paying you under the table? If you mean via... Um, no, absolutely not. I am, <laughs> I am incorruptible when it comes to new titles, um, of course. But I am in, he's very easily intimidated. So if you want to come around and beat me up, then hey, I'll give you more points. <laughs> um, Gear came up with a few good ones like Pint of No Return, 
mm-hmm. and uh, and spirits in the sky. But um, the one that got in the two points this time around. But he, is- do- but he doesn't drink spirits, guy. Well, yeah, but he also gear came up with enough other winners on the side. Okay, <laughs> that um, dude, I never claim to be consistent. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just spent ninety seconds ago. Hang shit on poor old mole man Richie for his tequila. Was I hanging shit on the mole man? Absolutely not. (laughs) But having said that, Jordan, lift your game. You'll never be gear. You'll never be gear. No. (laughs) Sorry, Jordan. Of course you will. Guy Davis is certainly not gay for mole man. (laughs) Uh, What got um, gear the silver medal this time around? Teetotal recall. That's not bad. I like that. As good as that was. It wasn't the three points, so it's got to to be something even better. What is it? It was not the three-pointer, and again, a bit of a numbers game. Our man, or our our person, let's say, because we're still in the dark about who who D.L. Gorman actually is. No, I'm pretty sure we know D.L.'s a dude, but hey, feel free to, you know, chime in and let us know what you are. No, (laughs) but D.L. Gorman came up with Flying Dry, uh, but the winner... Was Flying Dry is actually really good. <laughs> Flying Dry is very good. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that uh, DL takes the gold, the three points this time around. But I really liked How to Booze Friends and Ale, A-L-E, Ian-Ate People. How to Booze Friends and Alienate yeah, People. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's, well, well, it's long, but uh, it packs a lot in. So DL, yes. You're not on the DL, man. You're up top. Uh, Seriously though, fly, Flying Dry is a banger. That is a good title. Flying Dry is also quite... Well, your flying Dry is, is, is very good. I think, it, I think it got major props from the, uh, from the other people on the Patreon uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, boards. Well, well uh, deserved three points to D.L. Gorman. So he's actually closed the gap. So Garode Harrahill was seven points ahead at the start of this episode. And yes. now he's only six ahead of D.L. Gorman. <sighs> he is uh, yeah, six ahead... Of DL Gorman and seven and nine ahead of Andrew Parker. So Grode in first position on nineteen, DL Gorman in second position on thirteen, and Andrew Parker on ten. In a close fourth position, we have Alistair Danik and Jimmy Ferruja on eight and Christopher Darby on seven. So it's a it's a tight race at the top there. So can DL catch uh, Garod Harriel? How many episodes do we have left? About six, I reckon, for this season. So this is episode seventeen, I think, was it? Uh seventeen or eighteen. This is episode 18, and then how many episodes in the season? So there's, uh, let's go to season 11. Let's have a look. Scroll to the end. There are 22 episodes. So there are four more episodes on top of this. Can he catch up six points in four episodes? We shall find out. Stay tuned. (laughs) If you're a fan of old school Simpsons, and let's be serious, we all are, then you're going to love our new Simpsons commentaries. That's right, Guy and I have gone all the way back to the beginning and recording our own commentaries for each episode. You can find these and a whole lot more by simply being a Four Finger Discount patron at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount, where on top of the hours of bonus ad-free podcasts, you also get access to the Four Finger Discount Facebook group, our monthly prize draws, and more. But don't worry, guys, we know times are very tough at the moment, so you just listening to us each and every week is also a massive help in keeping the show going. So... Once again, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support, listening to us each week, and I hope you're all managing to stay safe and well. Cheers, guys. The original air date of Days of Wine and Doses is April 9th, year 2000. The chalkboard gag, I was not touched there by an angel. The couch gag was 
the original Simpsons designs from the Tracy Ullman shorts are sitting on the couch and the, the current versions walk in, they all scream and run away. Mm. So the, the episode kicks off uh, Trash Night, as we mentioned earlier, and Homer and Bart are rummaging through the go-through Millhouse's bin. Uh, uh, I don't know. There's something strange about going through other people's trash. Is it, is, I mean, I, I can understand going to you know, like a garage sale or maybe going to the, you know, when you go to the tip and they've got that store where, you know, things that are too good for the tip get pulled aside. But just going through the bins? Come on, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe hard rubbish night. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who would sort of like, yeah, determine. Oh, it's this neighbourhood's hard rubbish day, so there's going to be things out on the um, out on the nature strip. Let's go for it. Let's see what we can find. Um, and I, I, look, I'll admit, there have been occasions where it's like, that's a perfectly good chest of drawers. I think I'm going to, you know, pick. I mean, I'm not going to actually go out and search for something, but if it catches my eye, just with the you know everyday. Uh, course of doing business and i see something that's you know kind of interesting sometimes i'll grab it so yeah i mean i'm just i'm, 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 just, I'm just admitting you oh no you don't that just draws his mind <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i found a i found a perfectly good uh put back into the box you know disassemble and put back into the box like nutribullet not an actual nutribullet itself but like an off-brand kind of one but i you know, the people were clearly moving house or whatever. They had a bunch of stuff in a skip and they had some other things that had been put out. It's like, you know, free to good home. I'm like, hmm, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a, a, a shake or a smoothie in the morning every once in a while. Hmm. So, yeah, picked up, took it up. I've not used it yet, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's still in the boot. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, I'm... But this doesn't look like hard rubbish night. It li- or, or maybe it does. But, I mean, this look, looks more like it's just rubbish night. <laughs> And they're going through people's trash. <laughs> That's kind of, yeah, I don't know about that. That seems a bit gross. <laughs> One of my favorite Homer moments ever is when, it, you know, it must be like hard waste night in Springfield and his neighbor has put out old coat hangers and expired medicines. And, <laughs> and, and I picks it up, he's like, oh, oh. okay, Homer, calm down, just relax. Just pick it up and slowly take it inside the house. And he picks up the box. <laughs> and a couple of coat hangers like coming out. He's like, Homer. You're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, so that's a trash night. Comic book guys throwing out some uh, uh, comics of She-Hulk versus Leon Spinks that no one wants, but, you know, the, the hardcore nerds know if they get their hands on it, they can uh, flip that shit on eBay. <laughs> like, what, what's a brand new comic worth these days? You ever collected comics? I've never really been into comics. Not that I have anything against them. I've, I just never really... My, my parents never bought them for me besides the Simpsons ones. I had a, I had a couple of comic phases. I think one when when I was in my sort of one when I was in single digits, like maybe around eight or so, and uh, there was a a real a really cool. Well, actually, it was probably quite shabby, but secondhand book shop in the old Ryrie Street Market that real that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I used to sort of you know go there every Friday after school and, um, you know, my mum very generously would wait outside and I would sort of go in and, you know, pick through things. Oh, that one looks interesting or whatever. And then when I was in my teens, I had a, yeah, I, for about, I don't know, four or five years, yeah, went on a real sort of comic book jag. And I mean, I liked Marvel. I didn't really like DC. I was really into the X-Men and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was certainly into them for a while. Although I had one of those dreadful formative school memories I think I may have mentioned this in the past, where um, the gorgeous Sheehan twins caught me on the bus reading a copy of Spider Woman or something. Uh, Spider Woman, uh, nice one. And I was like, it's taking all my effort not to 
tear the, the shreds and throw it at the window and say, forgive me, she and twins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm such a dork. Um, so, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, somebody, to- with a sheet, somebody with a T-shirt, someone in the bus is wearing a Wang Computers T-shirt going, thank God he's drew the attention away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Welcome to another episode of, uh, you know, uh, Repressed Memories with Guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Homer and Bart they find um, some uh, old Italian hair, and then they see the Hawaiian restaurant has thrown out the uh, the tiki statue. They are indeed get out of my dreams, get into my car. To quote Billy Ocean, which um, which was a joke that seemed to tickle Nicola. She thought it was really funny. <laughs> get out of my why. dreams, get in my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he's now set up the the tiki. Is it tiki? That's correct, right? Tiki. Yeah. Yeah, Tiki statue. Um, in the back of his corner, Talky Tiki. He's used the gas from the um, the oven. It looks dangerous. It's almost like the, I love the way they animate. It. You can almost smell the gas watching it. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that the whole um, sort of hazy look in the kitchen that him where Marge is walking through. He's like, yeah, the air never seen that visible before. Yeah, I mean that did sort of give off this impression of like, yeah, things are dangerous. <laughs> is there is there a more dangerous smell than gas? I mean, look, that's something that you smell and you immediately just sense. Imminent danger and danger. Oh, yeah. No, probably not. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't imagine much worse than sort of you know, coming back into your house after you know, being gone for a day, even an hour or something. Like, Guess. What? <laughs> and, you know, they, <laughs> and then you're, you're, you're frantically searching everything sort of gas-related in your house. I mean, luckily I've never had that happen. Uh, but uh, I can't imagine much worse. I don't remember the air in the kitchen being so wavy. Good Lord, that's gas! Behold, I am King Talky Tiki! Hey, Flanders, can your god do that? Actually, Homer, you and I worship the same god, so. Irregardless, I am your god now! Just reroute the gas line. Do you know how dangerous that is? Do not anger Talky Tiki. I am all power. I'll be at most. <laughs> I did love here that as he's running away, the fire's slowly going towards the house, but you oh. actually seek it. <laughs> um, he's going to Moe's, and uh, Barney is sad because he thinks that everyone's forgotten his birthday, but in actual fact, he was just so drunk that he forgot. This next part here, so I said that the joke Homer said before, or the quote tickled her. This next joke made Nicola go, ah, this is pretty shit. And she, and she actually got up and just went and did something else, was when Mo was creeping on the mail lady. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all aware of Mo's sort of, you know, uh, lack of game when it comes to uh, yeah, romantic encounters or whatever, or just any interaction with the opposite sex. Uh, so, yeah, this was kind of more of the same in that regard. Something I did like, however, was actually when Homer first gets to to the bar, and um, I think Lenny's finished up his story about you know being pulled over for drink driving or something. And he says to the cop, "Yeah, you're under the influence of being a jerk." <laughs> I'm sorry. Any any joke that has that sort of suffix at the end of, oh yeah, you're you're so and so being a jerk. <laughs> It just, it's, 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 it's such a joke that like just you know your, your regular bar fly will think is hilarious exactly or it's, it's very it's very George Costanza of you know oh, the jerk store called and they ran out of you oh. yeah. <laughs> um, so this video here of the party 
all I could think of was I was just waiting for someone to say, oh, sorry, mate, step back. I've farted my guts out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I'll never live it down. Okay, Mom, we're rolling. I wrote a poem for Barney on this special occasion. Now that you're one year older, the time flew by so fast. Bart! <laughs> Give me that. I'm just saying that when we die, there's going to be a planet for the French, a planet for the Chinese, and we'll all be a lot happier. Mr. Gumble, you're upsetting me. No, I'm not. Gee, is that what I look like when I'm drunk? You wish. That's the stage we call Professor Barney. Talkative, coherent, even insightful. Cheers, drunk. Well, I'm off to market. Uh. Marge, you're making a complete fool of your... Oh, it's just Barney. <gasps> Precious alcohol. Soaking in the shag. Oh, oh, oh. So this next part here I've sort of got It doesn't really make too much sense uh, So he's got the police door attached to his arm hmm. And they go Oh yeah you've had that there for a while I can't really imagine you without it We just watched a video That was filmed the previous week Where he wasn't having Where he didn't have it on his arm Yeah And it came off fairly easily by the way That, that yeah, uh, door like, that he was cuffed to so. Yeah there was, there, was two, there was two jokes in this episode That I felt Served no purpose, didn't further the story. That was one of them. We'll get to the other one when we come to it. Okay. Everyone is giving presents and making fun of Barney for being a drunk. They're giving him his birthday presents and Mo gives him his, uh, his helicopter lessons. I, f- I just feel at this moment they're being, they're just being cruel. <laughs> they're, just, they're just taking shit on Barney. I mean, obviously he's in a bad way, but I guess now he's actually, he's, that he's woken up and seen himself in the video he's starting to see them for who they are mm. and they're not very good friends to him at all no no. I mean there are times when good natured ribbing yeah unfortunately goes a bit far I mean you can you think oh this is a really good burn or this is a really good you know jab at someone and it's like oh, oh wait a minute no it's, you know as soon as it leaves your mouth it's like oh no that was oh no one step too far sorry oh, sorry 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 can't take it back but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but they know these guys really seem to sort of revel in, you know, giving Barney some shit. Hey, hey, where you going? I'll show you. I'm going to take these helicopter lessons. Wait a minute, Barney. you got to be sober to fly. I mean, it's not like driving a car. Then I'm going to quit drinking. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean it. (laughs) You won't see me here again, ever. Wait, that ain't funny. He's my best customer. Well, the handwriting's on the wall. To stay afloat, this bar's gonna have to go queer. You mean it's not? Oh, wrong again, gay guy to Springfield. We come back from commercial. Barney is sobering up. You know, he's got the new hairdo. Actually, I didn't mention that at the start. I did love the fact that it was well done on the animator's part in the sense that all they really did was give him a new hairdo and he felt like a completely different person. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Dan, there was, I've seen where he said he... he um. He didn't have the slurring in Barney's speech anymore, mm. but yeah, just the fact that his hair slicked back—he just he he looks sober, <laughs> you know. Just it doesn't doesn't feel like the same Barney that we've had for the last ten yeah. and a half seasons. And I mean, that's the only alteration they made, haven't they? They haven't altered his face or anything like that, or given him a shave or anything. I mean, no, it's just no. it's just yeah, they've give, they've combed his hair. Okay, sometimes that's all it takes. It's actually similar to when um when he's competing with Homer to go into space, except there he actually lost weight. Ah, yeah, that's... Oh, yeah. Um, but this was a great gag. So you think he's making a big change. 
goes down the, the, the pole and <laughs> he's living above Moe's. Very, very funny. But what was funnier was the little subtle wee as he's going down the pole. <laughs> it was a bit sweet. Um, he almost gives in immediately and Homer offers to help, but you know has to scull the beer first and rub it in. Not many to rub it in, but Homer is a good friend in this, but he's also a jerk without meaning to be a jerk, which seems to be a trait of the character by this point. Yeah. He takes him to AAA and then eventually <laughs> takes him to AA. Your your girl Lindsay Nagel's here. I know, actually running the running the uh, the um the session mm, for for a bit of networking. <laughs> she's then she's a smart the, girl, Lindsay, on the ball. Never she's misses a go get. Never misses an opportunity. That is right. Uh, Gil's there trying to sell his Amway. We all know why we're here, don't we? To keep ourselves sober and to network. So let's get started. Well, after I lost my third job in two days, old Gil was in a pit of despair. And that's when you realized you were an alcoholic. Oh, no, I never touched the stuff. But you don't have to be drunk to know the value of Amway. (gasps) Now, this is used crankcase oil, which you ladies know is murder to clean up, you know. And company's coming. Ah, you're doing this at the worst possible time. Ah, your finger's in my eye. I have a problem with alcohol and I need help. Well, your recovery begins today, and we promise you all the sugar cookies and secondhand smoke you can handle. The sugar cookies you speak of, are they real or symbolic? They're on that table over there. Well, I don't want to walk that far. Anything that takes 12 steps isn't worth doing. Get it? Huh? 12 <laughs> steps? <laughs> hey, how did I get out here? Homer here being obnoxious wakes up outside. (laughs) (laughs) I I must admit, I thought that gag about anything that takes 12 steps isn't worth doing. I mean, I thought that was pretty funny. I don't think they needed to overplay it as much. 12 steps? I mean, I think that's in order for him to be thrown out. I think he needed to be a jerk about it. If you just made a subtle one liner, quick, you know, little jab, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, good one, nice one. But the fact that he's rubbing it into their faces and then wakes up outside. Actually, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, so the kids are now watching Teletubbies. The hurt everyone it was fantastic, and this is where they see the ad for the uh, the competition for the Springfield Bell, the phone book, uh, the front page uh, or the front cover picture competition. They go to the closet to find the camera. There's lots of cool references in here. You have got Mister Plow, you got a box of Mister Sparkle, mm. you got the liquor bottle from Homer's Phobia that Marge thought was a family heirloom, but it was just a liquor bottle. Oh. And um. Yeah, just I, I do like it when they open up that closet. They always seem to fill it with back references. I've, I've noticed the last few episodes, actually, they've had a few references to previous seasons. Like you know, last week, we had Gabbo and things like that. Mm. I was just I was very happy to see Mr. Sparkle. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, but Barney now goes for his helicopter lessons. Takes a special kind of man for these lessons, a man with coupons. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis played a chopper pilot one time. <laughs> He made so many darn mistakes. We were just laughing at him. Great singer, though. Oh, absolutely. You know who else I like is that uh, Leo Sayer. Anyway, we're nice and level now. How'd you like to take the controls? You think I'm ready? Sure I do. One sec. Testing. Black box. One, two. Ah! Ah! She's all yours, friend. Yes, that's great. Now let's just pull ourselves out of this tailspin here. Oh, I'm sorry about that. 
It's okay. That's what the diapers are for. I really appreciate the fact that he tested the black box, but the, the, the pilot seems to be very, he's very cool, calm and collected, isn't he? He's a good teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he's putting Barney at ease with some anecdotes about Elvis Presley and how he's a, you know, shit chopper pilot in movies and, you know, Leo Say is pretty cool and, yeah, I mean, he seems like the kind of guy you'd want to teaching you a, uh, how to fly a helicopter. Uh, have you had any desire to learn how to fly, whether it's light planes or choppers or anything like that? Probably not. I mean, the idea sounds intriguing, but I just don't think it's it's not something I'm going to be clamoring for. I must admit, I do have a I have a strong desire to jump out of a plane with a with a parachute attached. Um, <laughs> I haven't I haven't gotten around to it yet, but uh, I don't know, sometime in the next two years, let's say. I would have to be physically pushed out. I, I don't think I could actually jump. Like the guy that's attached to me would have to just push me out. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I don't know. I just, I just like thinking about that that second, that last second before you're, you know, when you make that decision, it's like, yep, doing it. And then you do it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit, there's no going back. <laughs> I, I, just, I just love to think about that. You know, I, I love to sort of visualize it. And uh, yes, one day I shall do it. Maybe we can make that a Patreon goal. If we get enough Patreons, guy would jump out of a plane. <laughs> I, I will indeed. You heard it, patrons and listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it coming in. I will uh, defy death for your amusement and entertainment. And if enough of you sign up, he'll do it without a parachute. You betcha. Hey, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> I did love here. It's sort of one of those gags where if you're not paying enough attention, you'll miss it. But the sorry about that. And you think he's talking about, you know, getting the, the helicopter in a tailspin. Then the guy follows up with saying, oh, don't worry, that's what the diapers are for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bart and Lisa go take a photo of the um, the bird on the Jebediah statue and they see Rainier Wolfcastle has put on a lot of uh, weight. He's, he's, um, playing, what is that? he's playing Fat Thor in Avengers Endgame. Yes, that is exactly right. Yeah, except, <laughs> you know, he's actually getting fat. <laughs> see, I, w- I would have respected that role more if Hemsworth just got out of shape. Yeah, but it'll never happen. He's just... <laughs> He's committed to the to the Jack lifestyle. You don't you don't think he could pull off a um a Christian bail and actually you know commit to something like that? Uh, maybe. I mean, um, but have you heard that he's playing Hulk Hogan in like a, a yes, biopic? Yes, I of have Hulk, heard yeah, that. Yeah, and saying he's going to get even more swole than usual. It's like, oh my god, Chris, how can you? Mo is trying to uh, make Homer the new Barney here. Now, I felt a little uncomfortable watching this when they're like dance rummy and Homer's just dancing for them. They're throwing like popcorn or whatever at him or whatever <laughs> it is. I don't know. It was just a little unsettling. It just went on. It just went on really long. A bit, yeah. I mean, um, but let's face it. In the in the sort of the hierarchy of Moe's, Homer would definitely be the next to sort of um, yes, be the be the butt of jokes and such. I don't think it would be. Oh. It certainly wouldn't be so. Carl. And for some reason, I think Lenny might be. <laughs> wouldn't take kindly to sort of being pushed around in that regard. So, yeah, Homer's the next natural choice. But, yeah, you're right. It did, it did sort of, um, yeah, go beyond, uh, yes, lighthearted joking into sort of the realm of nightmare. It's, <laughs> But, I mean, it's understandable why he did it because if he, if he didn't do it, he'd lose their respect. Well, of course. So they wake up Homer and uh, Marge and Barney arrives in his helicopter at the house He's explaining to Homer, you know, how Mo, uh, Homer's explained to Barney how Moe's changed things around. He's uh, put newspapers over the urinal so you can read the paper while you take a whiz. And <laughs> But Barney's just like, yeah, no, it's good and all, but, you know, my life's actually a lot better now that I've made this change. And he's not being smug here. There are some people, though, who do make a big change in their life and all of a sudden 
look poorly on you. Like, for example, I've got a couple of friends mm-hmm. who have gone full-blown gym junkies, right? And now they look poorly on you because, oh, yeah, pizza for tea last night, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. I had, oh. you know, bro- you know, steamed broccoli and chicken breast. It's like, you were once the person that ate nothing but junk food. I, I was the one who was like trying to stop you from eating junk food because you were eating so much of it. Mm-hmm. Now you've gone, done a full 180 and gone the other direction. And now you're making fun of me. Well, not making fun of me, but like looking down on me. I'm like, come on. But that's not what Barney was doing here. But the way Homer reacts is how you mm. would react if he was like my friends. Because yeah, I've got, it, it tends to happen with people who um, go on a health kick and they all of a sudden are like judging you for just being who you have always been. It's like, come on. Pull the other one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm, I've been fortunate. I've never really sort of had any um, friends or acquaintances like that who, yeah, make a really radical shift and then judge you for making a very what they view as a very positive uh, change in their life and then view you for not and view you with a little bit of contempt or disdain for not keeping up. Luckily, I don't. I don't have anyone like that. None of my friends have evolved. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Homer cracks it here. And um, I love it when he gets when he walks in the door. You're right, Homer. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we come back, and Homer is annoyed. He's um, he's furious at Barney. Thinks you know Barney thinks he's better than him, but really it doesn't. Barney was just trying to explain how his life is better. That's mm. what I was getting at before, where you know Barney's proud of the change he's made, but the characters around him are just like, no, no, you not your life's not better. We need you to be shit so that we can feel better about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marge tries to cheer him up here with a line that was pretty heartbreaking. No, don't worry, Homer. I haven't had a friend in years. I know. It's well written. Like It was a great Marge line, but God, it's sad because it's so true. <laughs> but then Homer here, you know, at least you've got me. Who have I got? <laughs> <laughs> um, makes fun of Lenny and Carl. Lenny and Carl suck. Oh, please don't tell them like that. I could. I, I said that. I, I could never live without them. <laughs> now this is, I don't know if this is the part where uh, Marge gives a shout out to... Um, like friends, like the Falcon and the Snowman. I don't know, the Falcon and the Snowman, just at time for one of Guy's trivia bits. But uh, the Falcon and the Snowman were two young friends in California in the 70s who um, one was a guy who went to work for like the CIA as like a low-level analyst and one was a small-time drug dealer. Uh, and they sort of joined forces to sell um, secrets to the Russians, particularly because one of them, the Falcon, um, was the guy who worked for the CIA, and he discovered some stuff about undue American influence in Australian politics. And he's like, wait a minute, this sort of runs counter to everything I thought about America the Great. Um, yeah, I feel betrayed. I'm going to sell some secrets to the uh, to the Russians. And he, and he brought his uh, drug-dealing friend in, who was also a drug-using friend, and that's how everything went south. <laughs> so um, that was Guy's trivia about the Falcon and the Snowman. Anyway, <laughs> feel, feel free to cut that bit out, Dent. <laughs> we, 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 feel, we, 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 we feel much smarter for having you said that. <laughs> no, we, we do appreciate, as the patrons have made us aware in the group, we do appreciate Guy's little trivia tidbits. <laughs> well, I, I have the feeling that some people might have watched that and go, does she mean the Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming soon to Disney Plus? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Bart and Lisa attempt to take a, a reenactment of the dogs playing poker. Nelson steals the shot. Hey, Apu, you got any of those potato chips that give you diarrhea? I need to do a little spring cleaning. They're in the safety cabinet. I'll get the key. Oh, hello, Homer. Barney. Beer, huh? That's right. Enjoy. That I will. Then we agree. You keep thinking that. I will. Me too. Good day then. Good day then is right. Ta, ta, ta. 
you did not pay for that beer. <laughs> Bart and Lisa are now at Mount Springfield, and you can see all, there's another thing with back references. So you can see the squid port, you can see the old monorail. I do monorail. like that they're starting to include these things just to you know remind you that this these things that happen they stay around. They don't disappear. Oh, yeah. You know the, mon- the the monorail is still there, not working, but it's still there. But um, so here the uh, the Play-Doh factory, the guy running it is Roscoe from the Gay Steel Mill. Oh, for real? Well, it's the exact same design. Slightly different voice, Mm -hmm. but the exact same design. So I'm just like, well, now they're not working at the steel mill, they're now working at the Play-Doh factory. Factory. Mm. (laughs) Um, But they, you know, because this is a somewhat old-fashioned episode, they've got the old-fashioned camera. I mean, even in the year 2000, we weren't using these kind of cameras, but, you know, they're using the old-school camera. The light bulb comes out and starts a fire that Bart and Lisa are unaware of. Homer is now sucking up to Lenny and Carl, um, but then, you know, they still make him dance. And this is where Barney arrives and he's just arrived to basically apologize to Mo all the things he's done, including befouling the uh, the closet, the broom closet and the pool table. Well, yeah, but he befouled the pool table. But first, he made sweet, sweet love to it. So, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, snakes and ladders, man. Swings and roundabouts. <laughs> uh, they answer the news story on the TV of the fire and you know, see it's Barton Lisa stuck up there. But unfortunately, all the fire trucks are being used for the Burt Reynolds film. Homer pleads to Barney for help. You know, he knows he has to. There was a great shot um, later on where Barney's, you know, second guessing whether he can do it and he sees the fire and you see it in the reflection of his eyes. I thought it was, oh. it was really well designed. Yeah. Um, you know, Barney, he almost crashes on the bridge. Um, he doesn't believe he can do it and the duff spills and he's almost about to give in but then Homer takes the six silver bullets for him <laughs> and inspires Barney to, uh, to go and rescue these kids. Here! That's what I need! Barney! No! Don't! Yes! I need it! Uh, no! You've got to be sober for this! Give me that! It's warm. You can't drink them all! Oh, yes, I can! I'll get you! Give me that! I won't let you give up now. When you've worked so hard to be the greatest pal in the world, I love you. Let's not lose touch after graduation. You brave man! You took six silver bullets for me! Stay away from my wife! <laughs> so this is coming up here. This is the scene where they're saving Bart and Lisa on top of the tree. The unnecessary uh, sequence of the bear. Yeah. I was like, that wasn't funny. It didn't add to the story. All it does now is make me... Feel sorry for that bear? How, feel <laughs> sorry for that bear for the rest of the episode. The whole yeah. time I'm going... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. The kids are saved. Yeah, they won a contest. But what about the bear? Oh, that bear looked like it could take care of itself. I mean, you know, when it it probably, you know, got the wind knocked out of it when it landed. But, you know, it seemed to run off fairly quickly. And I don't know. But he looked, he looked very sad. <laughs> I, I do like your sweet disposition when it comes to our animal friends, Dando. It's, it's, it's one of your nicest traits, mate. <laughs> it reminded me, actually. Have you seen the video of the seal that jumps onto the boat to get away from the killer whale? Oh, no, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, so there's a fisherman out in the water somewhere and this seal jumps onto the boat and it sort of looks at him as if to say, dude, please let me stay here. <laughs> and and, it, and it looks out and you look out in the water and there's this killer whale just circling, waiting for it to go out. And eventually oh. you know, the guy lets it stay there. But the look on its face is as if to say, this is my last chance at life. Yeah. Please let me <laughs> stay on, here. And it's just, it's a very, it's very, very sweet video in the sense that the guy just protects this, um, this, this uh, seal. But it just reminded me of that moment, the bear, you know, 
this I, I'm going to dive and I climb this ladder, guys. No, get away from me. But anyway, mm. um, so as we discussed at the start, uh, Bart and Lisa win the contest. The only thing here is, you explain it to me if I'm wrong, right? So the phone books arrive. Bart and yeah. Lisa aren't aware whether they've won or not, right? They just they just arrive and their picture is on the front. But somehow Marge already has the prize. Oh, uh, yeah. I have... I. Did not really sort of the, consider the timeline of that or any of uh, yeah, any of it, in all honesty. So, because so, at first she's surprised that Bart and Lisa's photos on the front, and then she's like, "Hey, I've got your prize." It's like, but what, what? What? Huh? <laughs> I think it's usually the case at the end of an episode. We're kind of like, <laughs> not that we've switched off or anything like that, but it's like, eh, you're not really doing too much mental heavy lifting by that stage. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we're friends again. Yeah. So what do you call this stuff? A double tall mocha latte. It's not bad. Well, it ain't beer. Well, at least I got that monkey off my back. (laughs) Nobody gets away from Mo. Nobody. But yes, this was yeah, definitely a better episode than last week. Had its moments, kind of kind of weak in certain areas, and the the whole making Bar- Barney sober. I appreciate they tried to do something different, and they they stuck at it for a few seasons. But ev- eventually, you know, like I said, they 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 push it out. You can't really say they push it out though. It was more trying to fix a mistake they probably didn't need to do. This is kind yeah. of, this kind of thing. Cha- I mean, I'm more for changing a character, but it's got to be for a, a good reason that actually makes sense. That actually furthers the character's story arc and actually makes you enjoy the character in a whole new light when really there's nothing enjoyable about Sober Barney. Not really, no, no. This just felt like a, uh, not even a, a sort of calculated risk, more like just a a, a spur-of-the-moment idea. Although apparently uh, Dan and his wife, who, who wrote this episode, have had, had the idea for quite some time. But, it, yeah, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel well thought out and it doesn't feel sort of well-planned. In, ter- in terms yeah. of the overarching kind of world of The Simpsons, just feel like, oh, what can we do this episode? Uh, who haven't we talked to about a while? Oh, Barney. Uh, Barney sobers up. How about that? How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Go with it. So anyway. I, I, I read that story about Dan and that pitching it to um, uh, to uh, Mike Reese and Al Jean back in the day, and they were like, nah, not going to work for us, buddy. Mm. And then going and pitching it to Mike Scully later on in season eleven, and he was all for it. It reminded me of a kid who asked mum first, and mum's like, "No, you can't, you can't, you can't have lollies before bed." And then like, mum goes to do something in the in the in the den. Hey, dad, can I please have some lollies? Yeah, fuck, knock knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mister Davis? Um, basically, that uh, addiction is addiction. As I said, I mean, whether it's uh, whether it's booze or coffee or. Uh, well, whatever else sort of floats your boat. And uh, I don't know, just <laughs> acknowledge that you may have a, 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 a liking for certain things and uh, don't let it get a hold of you. Maybe just try, true. try to control it. I, uh, I learned that it's, um, it's never too late to, uh, to make a change. You know, it's, you know, you might feel like you're overweight. You might feel, you know, that you're, you're addicted to alcohol, whatever. 
it's it's never too late to go, you know what, I want to make a positive change in my life and you might have to take baby steps. Some people can go cold turkey, some people can't. But it's very important that if someone in your life is wanting to make this change, don't, you know, don't judge them, don't make it harder for them, support them as much as you can because, for example, my uncles quit smoking uh, about a year and a half ago now. They haven't touched a cigarette. I think they've admitted they've had like a puff of a smoke occasionally, like once or twice since. But they've basically, they've, they've, they've essentially gone cold turkey and given up. And that kind of thing is something to be commended. It's, it's, it's so hard to go cold turkey. So, you know, shout out to my Uncle Darren and Uncle Doug for, for doing that. But yeah, it's, it's always important to, even if you don't think it's that big of a deal yourself, encourage them and make them feel like it's a big deal. Because to that person, what might feel trivial to you is a really big deal to them. So the more support they get, the more likely they're going to you know, pursue and make this positive change in their life. Absolutely. Props to Uncle Darren. Staff the nails. It's the patron mailbag time. Patron mailbag time. You ready, Mr. Davis? I was born ready, which uh, surprised my mother a great deal. All right. So we've got here uh, Lewis Douglas Kavanagh. He says his job is for one of the big global breweries, and his job is to listen to pitches and ideas from people that want to run a pub. If you were to run your ideal pub or bar, what would you do with it? i.e. what theme, food, music, events, etc. Take it away, Mr. Davis. What's your pitch for a, a new pub? I've always been, I was a bit of a fan of, I've never actually been to them, but I've heard of this, uh, maybe it's a chain of cinemas in the US called the Alamo Draft House, uh, where you're, you know, they're a bit like gold class. I mean, I, I probably got this entirely wrong. American listeners, please fill me in if I've got, if I'm completely off base here. But, you know, they've got, I think the the first one was in Texas, maybe in Austin, Texas, and you know they had good barbecue and they they'd sort of bring they you know bring it to you while the while the uh, movie was showing. You could have a beer with your with your uh, while you're enjoying your film experience. I mean, they had sort of first run movies, but they also had a lot of um, uh, special features and you know uh, rep screenings and all that kind of stuff. I always thought that's that sounded kind of cool. I mean, do you remember the Pix Cinema in uh, in Elizabeth Street, Geelong? Yeah, that's where I uh, wet my pants watching Cast with a Friendly Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've definitely told that story in the podcast before, but it was just like 10 minutes to go on the film and I'm like, Dad, I need to go to the toilet. Dad's like, just wait to the end. I'm like, I don't think I can. He's like, just see if you can. I couldn't. And you <laughs> Spoiler, he couldn't. Um, well, I remember that uh, stopped being a cinema for a while and it was just sort of... oh. I think maybe a church bought it and turned it into a little sort of mini Hillsong place for a while. And then it got torn down and turned into apartments. But while it was still sitting there and not being really used, I was like, man, you know, I'd like to sort of turn the front of that into a cafe slash bar or whatever. And, you know, have the cinema in the back and maybe have that open like three nights a week or something. This is a terrible business plan. This is the reason I've never sort of gone into anything like this. I mean, it probably was not feasible at all. But I like the idea of you know, a, a cafe, coffee house slash wine bar kind of thing at the at the opening part. And then, you know, every once in a while you'd show a movie or something like that. So that would be my kind of, uh, that would be my kind of bar slash pub. How about you? Like, you, no, you got ten, one in mind? Ten or 15, I feel like 10 or 15 years ago, that wouldn't have worked. But I feel like now's the time where that kind of boutique style cafe would definitely thrive. Particularly maybe. On like, Packard, like on Packerton Street in Geelong, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, or maybe the Pivotonian in Geelong is actually maybe like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I've never actually been there. I've heard nothing but good reviews of the Pivotonian, but yeah. Mm. What do you got? I've always, I've always been one. Like, I've, I've, I miss, I miss that dirty, 
uh, you know, sticky floor, grungy, early 90s, 80s, arcade style grunge bar. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'd want that. I mean, we've got a gaming, uh, like a gaming bar in Melbourne, Bartronica, which mm-hmm. is, you know, old school arcade machines and whatnot mixed with a bar. But I want it to feel like, remember the Nash? I want it to feel dirty. Oh, yeah. I want I want it to feel like a 19... I want it to feel like it's been around since the 80s, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm, going to the Nash, I mean, I never really sort of felt like I was in danger or anything like that. But uh, mm. you could sort of... You could smell and feel the history of the place when you walked in. You know, it, it never seemed like a death trap or anything like that. It was like, you, did, you, did you clean today, guys? I don't know if you did, but still, it added to the character. It was great. You know, you know what was great about the Nash was I felt like I could do anything on that dance floor as long as I wasn't committing a crime. No one would give a <laughs> shit. You, you, could, you could wear what you want, you could say what you want, you could just be yourself, and no one was going to judge you. That's what you want from a, you know, your local. That's what you want from yeah. a, yeah. You want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad yeah. you came. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Next question. Uh, what do we got? Ross Thompson says, what is something you are afraid to try because you may get addicted? A few obvious ones here, but I'm avoiding coffee as I think I might get addicted and really don't want to have to try and kick it. How mm-hmm. cool am I? So, Ross Thompson, I actually I mentioned at the start, so um, with comic books, it's one thing I've never really gotten into. I mean, I used to like the Simpsons comics, but I feel like the thing is I, I love to collect things. I don't need more, but like I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people where if I get, say, you know, volume seven... Well, I've got to I've got to buy the first six volumes just because I've got to have them all, you know. So I feel like if, uh, it's a dangerous territory for me in the sense that if I start reading comics, I've got to own them all. Then, oh yeah, look, I'm a bit of a completist in that way as well. I mean, uh, when I look at my rather extensive uh, Blu-ray and DVD collection, there's a lot of there are certain filmmakers like I'm a I'm a fan of that filmmaker. I'm going to get almost all of their films or pretty much all of their films, and then like, yeah, but. There's only like four out of nine that you really like or that you really want to rewatch time yep. and again. So, um, I mean, I was actually thinking about that today. I, I, I've bought pretty much every uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that's that's come out. I've got it on DVD or Blu-ray or uh, 4K or whatever. And I was thinking today, it's like, how many of these do you actually rewatch all that often? And the answer was probably not that many. I mean... I don't know why I've got all three four, Thor movies when, you know, Ragnarok is probably the one that I would rewatch, you know, semi regularly, by which I mean like maybe once every 18 months or something. Or, you know, you, you bought Captain Marvel, you watched it once and, you, you know, it's gathering dust. Maybe I should just, you know, get rid of these. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but look, the short answer of what, what is something that I uh, don't try that, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to get it to, I don't know, probably cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've re- I mean, I've, rem- I've not got a wholly addictive personality like our pal Barney Gumble, but I mean, I, I smoked cigarettes for you know a fair while, and I liked it a lot, and I could probably go back to it if, if but you know, it's too bad for me, and I, I won't do it. Um, likewise, I, I enjoyed a drink. I mean, I don't say that I was an alcoholic or anything like that, but I remember thinking at the stage like, do you enjoy this too much? But I mean. I don't recall having any sort of great epiphany of like, no, you got to stop drinking. I mean, I will have a glass. I'll probably have a glass of wine when we're wrapped up here. I'll feel no need to finish the bottle. I'll just like, oh, yeah, no, that was nice. That do felt you, good. Do you, do you know? I speaking of beer, like, I'm not a beer drinker anymore. I used to love, you know, love beer. I mean, I will have a beer occasionally when it's a party or whatever. But I might have a, a beer here and there. 
but I never finish a beer. I don't know what it is. Maybe wow. it's because I take so long to drink it, but it always gets to the point where there's no, just, you know, a, a little bit, down, maybe about, uh, half an inch less in the bottom of the bottle. I, n- I never finish them. I don't wow. make an effort not to finish it. I just never actually finish a bottle. I don't know what it is. It's just something that I subconsciously do. Mm. It's really strange. That is kind of interesting, actually. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I just get to the bottom and I go. Oh, I'll just get a new one now. I but I don't. <laughs> delib- I don't deliberately go out of my way to not finish. I just don't ever finish them. It's weird. Yeah. Um, so this next question here, do a couple more. Harrison McClure says, "I wrote to you guys a long time back. Um, this one's more for Guy. He says, what's the change to the Simpsons timeline? You think the writers handled well or could have written better?'" Um, he says, he's never been a fan of the writers abandoning Sober Barney as he actually likes Sober Barney a lot more. Okay. What okay. do I know why? Um, he says, by the way, Guy, in case... Uh, oh, sorry. By the way, in case it hasn't already been said by himself, Guy, you're absolutely killing it as the new co-host. Oh, Harrison. Well, thanks a bunch, man. Uh, that's, that, that's awfully nice of you to say and I very, very much appreciate it. Thank you. Having said that, um, I've got no idea how to answer your question, dude. <laughs> uh, big, big changes. We've got things like um, Millhouse's parents splitting up. We've got uh, Apu having the octuplets. Um, Lisa becoming a vegetarian, which I think was handled pretty much perfectly, if you ask me. Yeah, that one's, that's one that I like, absolutely. You mentioned um, Apu and Manjula becoming you know, parents, <laughs> multiple parents. You know, that doesn't... That, Aside from that episode and, you know, the odd sort of callback to it, it doesn't seem to have affected their life a great deal. That, that seems like one that could really be, you could revisit on a few occasions and, and yeah, really uh, have a good time with, have, uh, you know, make some good comedy out of it, uh, make some really important or, or uh, interesting points out of it. And that doesn't, to the best of my knowledge or the best of my, you know, sort of viewing experience, hasn't really been delved into all that much. So that yeah, that's but one that I certainly. I don't think we've actually seen the octuplets since that episode. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the whole aging process in Springfield is I don't know, weird. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you could actually see them as children and then, hey, wait a minute, but Bert hasn't aged at all, and neither is Lisa. Uh, so maybe that's the reason. I don't know, but um, yeah, but I mean that having you know. Eight, eight, well, maybe I'm just a fan of Octomom, but, you know, having eight children just uh, strikes me as, uh, you know, a potential goldmine that hasn't really been uh, mined properly. Michael Otuatai, I apologise for mispronouncing the name. Uh, he says, hey, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Michael talked <laughs> on the other day on the patrons thing about his, about his name and without wishing to sort of um, uh, big note my own gag, I was very happy with the... France. <laughs> anyway, sorry, guys. But uh, he says, hey, guys, long-time fan since about season four. And thankfully, he's finally in a position to support the show through becoming a patron. Thanks for the years of great content. And here's to many more. Major props to Guy since his arrival. It says a lot about him that the quality of the show has remained stellar, even with the slight host changeover. See, that the patrons love you, Guy. Oh, I love the uh, patrons. Uh, you love everybody. I was wondering if um, if you've ever seen a video or even a picture of yourself. Also, pretty much we asked ourselves earlier of from a night out where we've had one too many, had a similar, maybe slightly less uh. dramatic reaction to Barney. Yeah, so you know, I um, I've seen a few photos. There was one time where I passed out and I was just throwing up in the gutter at the front of a night. So I was dancing on the on a chair, oh. blacked out, blacked out, and then woke up vomiting in the gutter at the oh. front of the nightclub. Dando, that's that was so where rad. I went. 
that's where I was like, you need to sort your life out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, I have something like that, but not quite, not not as bad, I don't think. But yeah, sort of mortifying to me. Uh, I think I was at like a year twelve formal or something, and I just got blitzed. I just got this was shit. last year, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I had taken along as my date, uh, I was punching way above my weight, a, ve- a lovely young lady named Joe Blackett. Um, and I think I'd sort of gotten a bit of an inferiority complex in my head. It was like, uh, nothing's nothing's going to happen with Joe. She's way too she's way too good for me. Um, Everyone's looking at us going, "How is what is she doing with him kind of attitude? I was thinking that, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I, was, I was thinking everybody was thinking that. Um and I ended up sort of drunkenly making out with this other girl. <laughs> I thought, yeah, this girl's got no standards. Um, you dirty dog. I know, I know. I feel I, I feel terrible. Joe Blackett, if you're out there, uh, give me a call. Actually, no, don't, because I'm seeing the lovely Louise. Um, but, um, <laughs> you dirty dog. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but someone took a picture of, of me and this other girl, not making out, but just sort of like, uh, I think I had my arm around her shoulder and likewise. And I had braces at this stage. And I, I thought I looked super cool. You're like that douchebag from Halloween, the new one. Oh, no, not that bad. Absolutely not. But I, <laughs> I, but in this photo, I look like a combination of the Shermanator from uh, from the American Pie movies. Oh, wow. Um, and that, that scene where... Um, uh, Lenny is uh, wishing Mr. Burns like uh, I think it's wishing him a happy birthday, but doing that. Hey, you know. Um, I know. He's, he's thanking for us the swell shindig. Yes, that's yeah. I just want to shake. I just want to shake your hand. And then gives him the sort of thumb up. Hey, um, and you know, Mr. Burns is terrified. Someone showed me the picture like a week later because you know. This is you know back in the back in the day when you had cameras with film and the film had to get developed and then you had the picture. And look, in all honesty, I, I I remember what it looks like, and I thought, uh, right now, I'm probably think I would probably look at it as me as old me going, eh, you don't look that bad. But back then, I was like, oh god, you dork, oh what a nightmare! Don't drink anymore, don't or don't drink around people with cameras or anything like that. So um, yes, that's that's my contribution to this particular. So you shouldn't answer. drink around cameras. You shouldn't speak around cameras. Oh yeah, I should just not speak. I should just not be. <laughs> just not, don't don't exist around cameras. <laughs> you know, I, I was just I was just thinking when it comes to photos being developed the old school way. We, we can refer to it as the old school way now. Mm. I was just thinking if you know people who take photos of weddings and whatnot now, who use digital cameras so they can see the photo they've just taken. Yeah. How much balls must you have had to have had in the like seventies and eighties and earlier? To be a wedding photographer, knowing, not knowing what the image looked like as you were taking it. Oh, absolutely. Having, yeah. having enough faith in your abilities that you were taking the right photo. That's some fucking serious guts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, God knows how many rolls of film you were going through just, you know, uh, getting shot after shot after shot. Like, <laughs> at least 10% of these have got to be good, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> man, I don't think I could handle the stress. Because there's only you only get one chance to get that right photo when they you know when they're doing the kiss and that kind of thing. Mm. If you fuck that up, you're, yeah. you've ruined their day. Yeah, to quote Eminem, you've only got one shot. 
Yeah, <laughs> what opportunity. Um, final <laughs> question here. John Sharon says, what's your favorite late night post-party food? Personally, being known to hit one of the jumbo slice pizza joints on the walk home from the bar, as DC is well known for having pizza bar pizza by the slice that is unspectacular but roughly the size of a boogie board. Ooh. Um, I, my thing was always, so when I was out at a nightclub, I'd be texting mum about, I don't know, half past 11, 12 o'clock, mum, can you order me a pizza, please? <laughs> and then, but I'd walk in the door at home, I was still living with my parents, so I'd just walk in and there'd be pizza on the bed ready to go and I'd watch, being a wrestling fan, every Saturday night on Fox 8, there was this wrestling show called TNA Impact, I'd watch that and I'd be drunk watching the wrestling and then I'd wake up with pizza all over the place. That was my Saturday slash Sunday morning. Or I do these days really enjoy just a dirty Big Mama chicken souvlaki. Oh, dude, that yeah, that sounds really nice. That your your sort of evening ritual. That sounds very good. Um, it's just gonna, it's just going to be basically chicken and lots of it. <laughs> yeah, I think mine mine was basically a, um, just a cheeseburger. You'd either go to Joe's Cafe after hitting the cl- um, that was across the road from one of the main. Uh, pubs slash clubs in Geelong. Um, Where was Joe's Cafe? Joe's Cafe was next to El Toro Pizza, uh, near, near the Geelong Hotel. Oh, which- is that not there anymore? The one at the top there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now it's- um, is, it, is, it, is, is it still there though? Or is it not Joe's anymore? It's not Joe's anymore. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think it might be called Jack and Jill's now and it's more sort of a-, a uh, sort of a, it's, a fa- it's a fancy pants place, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, or Texas Hamburgers on Mercer Street was a, oh, was yeah, it, that's, a good that's place where to go to. That's where Big Mama from. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, also, but, there was a good, there was a hot dog joint for a while in the uh, Geelong CBD that was sort of nicely positioned between the the nexus of about three or four main nightclubs. So you, you know, you'd go there and you'd just get a regular dog with a um, uh, sauce, mustard, and uh, onion. Ooh, yeah, that and that what, sort what, of is, is this the place that was near the Eureka? Um, this would be a place we called the Magic Window because it was just like. <laughs> they, they, wouldn't open, they, they would open at the restaurant, but it was just a window. They'd, they'd open up the window and just serve you through the window. So it was, a, it was like it was like magic. You'd walk out of the nightclub and be like, you know, uh, chips and potato cakes and dim sims and fucking Ooh, hot sounds, dogs and things like that, just waiting for you. It was great. That sounds, that sounds marvelous. Oh god, you've got me hungry now. Now there's one, there's one more thing I want to mention. Just local reference. This is the most local reference we've had for a while, but it's like <laughs> uh, you would you would probably remember it, but I think it was a little bit a little bit before my time. But it was like Kev's hamburgers or something like a. Like a hamburger van, these yeah, park I'm, in the city. Yeah, I n- I never actually uh, used it all that much. I think I maybe got a Kev's burger once or something. I thought yeah, it's pretty good, it's fine. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't a Texas burgers. Texas burgers so was was the shit. So it's basically just the nostalgia of it, is it? Because everyone always raves about Kev's hamburgers. But yeah, you're right. If you're in Geelong, Texas hamburgers, it's like it's unreal. Also, just one more t- one more thing. If you're in Geelong. Get a chicken souvlaki with extra chicken from Wood Oven Pizza. It was the best souvlaki I've ever eaten in my life. It was unbelievable. Ooh. Wood Oven Pizza. Chicken souvlaki with extra chicken. Okay, that's it. That's it if you're if you're out at night time. If you're there during the day and you do feel like a souvlaki or a shawarma or something along those lines, uh, and you're in Geelong, by all means come down. It's nice down here. We're you know we're not locked down yet. Yet, um, actually no. If, <laughs> yeah, you, if you, under, underlined yet. <laughs> yeah, actually stay out of Geelong. You're diseased. Yeah, <laughs> bloody <laughs> diseased hordes. No, no, we're fine. But um, there's a place called Sam's Cafe on Marubla Street. Honestly, God does the uh, best kebab uh not that i've ever had but but way up there really really good so you and i should start our own series going around and just reviewing 
dirty souvlakis and hamburgers from places in Geelong. Oh, God. We'd be like, um, we'd be washing ourselves with a rag on a stick by the end. <laughs> you don't already? <laughs> I do. <laughs> All righty, guys. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoy that little uh, local uh, references of the, the cafes and whatnot in Geelong. It was good. Uh, uh, for, for me, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I enjoy hearing people talk about food. <laughs> oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean they're they their favorite joints and their favorite dishes from their favorite places. No, it's a it's a it's a good way to get to know somebody. Yes. Um, also, one more thing. I was I think did I mention the parmigiana yet that I got from, from Sphinx down the road? Maybe I did it off the air. We took Elliot out for his second birthday. Oh, by the way, little dude, happy birthday! Happy second birthday! My son turned two yesterday. Um, yeah, we took <laughs> him out for birthday, lunch at this, the, this place, the Sphinx, just down the road here for lunch, and the chicken parmigiana was. Unreal. Yeah, I've told Guy he has to go down there and check it out one day this week. But And one thing I posted in the Patreon group was that, you know, in these you know, difficult times, if you've got a few spare dollars, make sure you go out and support local business, you know, and you've got a bit of a couple of dollars in your pocket, tip the, tip the waiting staff. It's a shit time for everybody. Um, it's important that we keep these local businesses going. If you feel like a hamburger, don't go to Macca's, don't go to KFC, go to the local hamburger joint, go to the, the local pub and pick yourself up some takeaway food if that's possible. Yeah, support the local guys. Don't support the big guys because the big guys will be around forever. These local guys really need your support right now and so do the waiting staff. So tip them if you are able to. But uh, yeah, like I said, thank you for listening to our review of Days uh, days of Wine and Dozers next week, Guy. It's going to be a very, very controversial week. So next week, we're reviewing an episode called Kill the Alligator and Run, which is defined by many as the show that or the episode that uh, where, the, where the show jumped the shark. I know a lot of people sort of say the principal and the pauper where you had the, the, the real principal Skinner arrive, but no, it's, it's Kill the Alligator and Run. Many, many people say this is arguably the worst episode in the history of the series. I have not revisited it for a, a good 10 years. Um, I feel like it was one of those ones that used to be aired a lot. Um, Kid Rock makes a guest appearance and Kid <laughs> Rock was big at that time. Okay. Um, but I remember not, li- not disliking it. So I'm really looking forward to going back and seeing if it's as bad as everyone say- says it is. We'll be the judge of how hard it sucks or indeed whether it does not <laughs> suck. Maybe it rocks. Let's fi- Maybe it Kid Rocks. Let's find out. Don't forget, guys, to uh, rate and review us in the iTunes store. Um, we had some new reviews this week, Guy Davis. I might actually re- read the latest one out. Would you mind to rub one out? I'll go like, right ahead. I feel like if you guys are going to take the time to uh, send us a review, I would love to uh, to read them out. So here we go. Four figure discount on iTunes. We've got here. This one comes from Jim Sneds. He says, one of the bed- best podcasts out there. He was very pleasantly surprised when he first started listening to the podcast. Uh, the boys are great and funny people who create a great atmosphere. It's great to listen to two Australians who love The Simpsons as much as he does. So thank you so much for that review, Jim. Also here, we've got another one here from the username of Buried and Kuhn. Okay. It says, mm. the title is such a great podcast with great hosts. Uh, loves listening to Dando and Guy and Mitch in previous times. Great fun to listen to and highly recommend this podcast. But thank you for sending in that review this week, guys. Don't forget, just go to, uh, to iTunes. It only takes a couple of minutes to... Uh, Hit us up with five stars and leave a little review. It's the best way to support the show. If you don't want to uh, become a patron, it just helps us boost up the rankings. But yeah, thank you so much for listening and tuning in each and every week. Uh, you guys are absolute legends. Don't forget next week, Kill the Alligator and Run is going to be a great time had by all, I certainly hope. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Because I'm out of breath. Oh, not that many. I'm just off to uh, make sweet love to a pool table and then befoul it. Shh.